1: Hello my friends, haven't seen you for a while, it's lovely to see you again, I hope you've all been well, although with the nature of time travel being what it is, I probably have seen you last week, yesterday, and tomorrow. Isn't time travel fun? Now, I am here to take you through the rankings of all of the companions that have joined The Doctor since the show came back in 2005. Now before... This, make sure you go back and look at the list we did a while back, ranking all of the classic Doctor Who companions, for two reasons. One, we're, we're quite proud of that list. And two, it nearly killed us. Please show it some love, please. There are quite a few names on this list. So if your favorite gets either a really short entry or is possibly left off the list altogether, le shock, make sure that you let us know in the comments below, try and be nice. And sure look, if you can't be nice, at least be funny. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferring for Who Culture, and here is every New Who companion ranked from worst to best. Number 25, Adam. Stuck around for a week, went to the future, got a window in his brain. Next. Number 24, Lady Christina D'Souza. She was fine. Uh, Stole a bus, flew it away, still has one of the most iconic scenes in soap opera history. You're not my mother! Yes, I am! Love it. 23, The Doctor, Jackson Lake. Um, pretty crushing episode, really. It was like, you know, hey, Merry Christmas, your family's dead. (sighs) Yeah. Number 22, Cray. I unironically really enjoyed The Lodger. I think it's a really fun episode. Closing time, the power of love defeats Cybermen. That would have been nice to know. The Tenth Planet, World Enough in Time, Age of Steel. Number 21, Mickey. Ah, he was good for a bit of a laugh, but at the end of the day, he wasn't really much. He did figure out that he was sitting in a car that one time, that was good. Wait a second, we're in a car, we're in a car. Number 20, Ryan. Unfortunately, he was more of a collection of tidbits than an actual character. Yes, there was dealing with his dyspraxia. Yes, there was storylines which dealt with racism, but overall, Ryan really wasn't that memorable a companion, I'm sorry to say. When literally his nan who passed away 10 minutes after we met him and his granddad are more memorable than him, that's, that's unfortunately not really great. Did like the storyline dealing with the resolution with him and his father. Number 19, Carbonisa, giant dog from Liverpool, sold. Number 18, Nardo. When Matt Lucas first appeared in Doctor Who in the Husbands of River Song, I thought he was kind of a Marmite character, uh, you know, but perfectly inoffensive. And then, uh uh-oh, he was decapitated. That's not fun. So I was quite surprised to find out that he was coming back as a companion. And you know what? He actually wasn't half bad, I have to say. I enjoyed him, and I enjoyed his kind of sarky wit next to the Doctor as well. Plus, he had travelled through the future. Like, he kind of got what it was to be a companion without having to go through the uh, bigger on the inside, space and time, and I enjoyed him for that. I did think his, well, scene that led to his death scene was a bit like, sorry, Nardole, we're going this way. Best of luck, yeah? So I thought, oh, that was a bit of an ignoble end, but it was nice to see him back in Twice Upon a Time. Number 17 Missy. Now obviously this ranking is about these characters as companions not about com- like characters themselves. Missy is an amazing character who would top many many lists but as a companion she's almost directly responsible for the doctor having to regenerate. Sure yeah I mean you could say even more directly is a cyberman but yeah, she kind of works with her earlier incarnation then she doesn't and, 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 and. So yeah, as a companion, not amazing, but still had a lot of very funny one-liners, which puts her a little bit ahead of some of the others. Number 16, Dan. I love John Bishop, so I was really hoping for more when he was announced as the companion for Doctor Who Flux. And he just, the character didn't really go anywhere. He was very nice. What else is there to say about Dan? Which is such a shame. There was a couple of great one-liners, sure. But overall, I, he's not really made much of an impact. There's still, as of recording, one episode to go. So we'll see what happens with the power of the Doctor. But for now, he was very nice. 15, Astrid Peth. When Kylie Minogue appeared in The Voyage of the Damned, I mean, this was a beautiful episode. So many fun moments, so many standout scenes, and that crushing end. The fact that she gets released and she's stardust, I mean, what a a beautiful final scene between the two characters. But it was really frustrating because it really looked like she was gonna be a fantastic companion. Sure, okay, Kylie Minogue probably didn't have the time to commit to an entire series, and because Donna becomes the companion after this, I mean, I wouldn't take that away. But having said all of that, loved her in this episode, loved the gumption that she shows, and I love the excitement she shows when she arrives down on Earth. Astrid was just brilliant. Number 14, Adelaide. Now, turning a hard left here is Adelaide Brooke, and she scores so highly because she is the catalyst for one of the biggest realizations of the Doctor's lives, which is that the Time Lord Victorious is wrong. Now, that ending of the Waters of Mars, I did not see it coming. This was dark. And Doctor Who had done dark before this, but this really, really hammered home how low the Doctor had sunk at this point, why the Doctor should never travel alone, particularly. So Adelaide's actions are not just the actions of what would turn out to be a great companion, but also, she teaches the Doctor a very visceral lesson. She's also being played by Lindsay Duncan. She is, she brings a maturity to the role that is just so crucially needed in this penultimate episode for David Tennant's 10th Doctor. That final scene, that is a gut punch. Number 13, Rory Williams. I loved Rory Williams. Give him five seconds and he'll be dead again, but it's all right, because he'll be back five seconds after that. It's a great crack. Fun fact, there was a, a, now it could have been photoshopped, but for a while somebody was sharing an image of Stephen Moffat's Wikipedia page as occupation as showrunner, writer, and Rory killer. Arthur Darville is brilliant in the role of the sometimes hapless Rory and other times hard as steel Rory. Think of that opening scene of A Good Man Goes to War. That is the same character that, you know, freaked out while on his bachelor party in Venice. Arthur Driver was able to show range in this role so I did feel that his exit while the whole episode was good I thought it was very sad in a way that you know he's kind of blinked out but of course it was so crucial for his storyline and how it feeds into Amy's storyline. He was definitely one of the better companions and really really missed him when he went. Number 12. Graham. Game show enthusiasts will know Bradley Walsh very well. Also, Carnation Street enthusiasts will probably know Bradley Walsh very well. But when he was cast in Doctor Who, I was excited because I just love the way he, his kind of deadpan delivery of jokes and how he was going to bring a good balance to this admittedly younger companion group. And for the most part, he did. His storyline, that was, you know, he was in remission from cancer. He's just lost his wife, Ryan's grandmother, and, You know, he is able to depict grief without battering you over the head with it. Probably his most heartbreaking moment came in the early episode, Rosa, where it turns out, thanks to Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey, he is the one directly responsible for Rosa not giving up her seat on the bus. And when I say that, it's that she is technically to give up her seat for him and she won't do it. And it breaks his heart and our hearts break along with him. And that is a testament to how Bradley plays the scene. And also to, at this point, how well-written Graham was. Some of the scenes as the show went on didn't work as well. But there were moments like this that really showed how strong of a character and a companion piece Graham was for the Doctor. Number 11, Yaz. By far the most interesting of the trio of companions for the 13th Doctor, Yaz was the one who stayed on after Ryan and Graham both left, and frankly I think that her character benefited this, this little bit of extra time with the Doctor. Now there's been all sorts of discussion about the kind of the will they won't they between the Doctor and Yaz, and I mean for me it's no different between the Doctor and Rose or, or something like that, so that's fine with me. I do think they might be overselling in a tiny little bit, um, but... Thankfully, I don't think it's hurting Yaz as a character. I have thoroughly enjoyed her. She was probably my favorite part throughout all of Flux. I really enjoyed her in the New Year's episode as well. Once she's kind of given room to breathe, she has a bit more agency about her. Now, she will, of course, be appearing in The Power of the Doctor, which is coming up. And if this is to, you know, new doctor, new companions, if this is to be the last time we see Yaz, I would like her to go out on a high. So please give her a good ending if you're going to. Overall, I thought good companion, wasted a little bit, but threw her some really, really excellent storylines, not least the Demons of the Punjab. Number 10, Wilfred Mott. Well, all of our collective hearts were broken this year when Bernard Cribbins passed away, but Cribbins cast as Donna Noble's grandfather was just perfect. His few appearances before the end of time were all pitch perfect because, you know, he just brings a kind of a a silliness as opposed to a maturity. I mean, you would think a man who at the time was in his, you know, 70s and 80s, you'd think he would bring a maturity. No, he brought a kind of a childlike glee to being the Doctor's companion. And when he became the Doctor's companion, so to speak, in the end of time, he just, I mean, the conversation looking down at Earth. Say no more. Number nine, Sarah Jane Smith. Now, while her time in the new era of Doctor Who was all too brief, although we did get a spin-off show, The Sarah Jane Adventures, which was fantastic, Sarah Jane was able to show the excitement of being in the TARDIS again, while also showing the pain of having been, while there were reasons, cast aside by the Doctor all those years earlier. I mean, her final scene with Tom Baker's Doctor sees her dropped in Aberdeen and then having to find her way home to Croydon. And the next thing from her point of view, the next time she sees the TARDIS is it's parked in a school she's investigating. And then you have the 10th Doctor going, hello, Sarah Jane. And it's so, it's just handled perfectly. School Reunion is one of the best episodes of David Tennant's run as the Doctor, but also loved seeing her against Matt Smith as well. Obviously, we lost her far too soon, but if you haven't already, please do watch the celebration that was done on YouTube from Doctor Who stars past and present that was honouring Elizabeth Sladen. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, he just brought fun to every scene, you know, from his first arrival and then that pure omnivore, everyone's on the menu kind of sex drive that he walks around with as well. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I've taken some inspiration from him. Torchwood as well is a show that I feel we should be discussing more of, particularly the first three seasons with the third probably being the best, uh, four Seasons very good as well, don't get me wrong. There is an entire world there via Captain Jack that some Who fans don't know about. So please go out and watch Torchwood. It is by God, it is over eighteen. So I will say this to you right now. It is not the same kind of rating as Doctor Who. And that sums up the character of Captain Jack very well. I think they got away with everything they could get away with at a PG rating in Doctor Who with Captain Jack. I mean, just look at any of his scenes, particularly like season one, where was he hiding the gun? Season three, how many times does he die? Was someone kissing him? And then of course, coming back as well for the Stolen Earth and Journey's end. Captain Jack just brings an energy to every scene that he's in. Please give us another season of Torchwood. Number seven, Bill Potts. I love Bill Potts. First time I watched season 10, I think I was still, I, I i must admit that I was feeling a little bit of fatigue at this point. I was kind of reeling from, the, you know, Clara's departure and then another one of River's departures. And so Bill, for me, I think the first time around, I just wasn't massively receptive. Then I rewatched season 10 and went, oh, Sean, you're an idiot. Bill's brilliant. Bill is great because, again, they don't do the will they want, they think. That's great. I'm delighted. That was never a thing. And then this was the season as well that had some fantastic serialized stories, brought Missy in, brought Nardole back, and then culminating in one of the better season finales of the revival era. World Enough and Time and The Doctor Falls are a fantastic two-part episode. And Bill's fate is both, I would say, bittersweet. There is a tragedy, but bittersweet is maybe the best description. She brought energy she brought feistiness she brought just everything that a companion needs to the TARDIS so yeah for me Bill was a winner I'd love to see her again somehow number six Clara now Clara is Marmite I think you love her or hate her and I'm going to say I love her but it took me a while I really enjoyed her first appearance in Asylum of the Daleks because it completely threw me off. I wasn't expecting this at all. You know we knew that Jenna Coleman had been cast and then suddenly here she was. Okay. Then returned for the snowmen and stayed for the rest of Matt Smith's run and for most of Peter Capaldi's run. Now I think she really came into her own when she was on screen with the 12th Doctor. I think that was the pairing that worked the best and it's not like it was perfect from the beginning. Season eight of Doctor Who was Mixed. Again, better on a rewatch, but while that was finding its feet, so too, I believe, was the relationship between Clara and the Doctor, and going into season nine, which is one of my favorite seasons of Doctor Who, I think you can see that recklessness from having lost Danny Pink, and you know, from having lost so much, really. Jenna Coleman plays the role, I think, she plays it excellently. Now there's a lot of discourse over how popular or unpopular Clara was. Personally, I thought with the 12th Doctor, that, that, was, a fun, that was a great pairing. Um, Capaldi and Coleman really, really worked well together. For me personally, I would direct my criticism at her tenure with Matt Smith. I don't think that worked as well. Although I do think she was wonderful in the day of the Doctor. Clara is a character that we could see returning. I mean, she is flying out in the galaxy in their own TARDIS, herself and me. So, I mean, I would be happy to see her again. Would you? Let us know in the comments. Number five, Rose Tyler. Rose, of course, was the first companion of this new era of Doctor Who and Billy Piper is brilliant. She she really plays her like a teenager who just gets caught up in this fantasy and it is wonderful. Now, This kind of started the whole, is there more than friendship there? You know, there's a kiss between Eccleston and Billy Piper, but I think it really dialed it up now a lot when it went into her second season, David Tennant's first season. Technically, Ten and Rose are the big love story of Doctor Who, really, since it came back. Look, I could take or leave a love story when it comes to the Doctor, but I think if we were going to get a love story, sure. This one works for me because Rose was mostly a fantastic character on her own bad anyway i do think she was somewhat wasted in journey's end and the stolen earth there'd been such a build-up to her coming back that she was just kind of there well that's not billy piper's fault that unfortunately was just right we've got her back what are we going to do with her what that's kind of how that felt. There is one moment that encapsulates a lot of Doctor Who for me, and it's in the day of the Doctor, and it's that one moment where David Tennant, whose hair was a little bit longer for a role he was playing, so he didn't have that kind of spiky, sticky yuppie thing for most of it, runs his hands through his hair, and it's spiky, sticky yuppie. and John Hurt's War Doctor says, "'Oh, Bad Wolf Girl, I could kiss you!' And the shot then shows Bad Wolf version of Rose going, "'Yeah, that'll happen,' and then you have David Tennant go, "'What?' Do you say bad wolf? And just that moment, I mean, it's both nothing and everything. And that is a testament to how well her character grew in our hearts. Number four, Martha Jones. Justice for Martha. There was a very weird decision at the early part of season three to have Martha sort of pining after the doctor who himself was pining after Rose. And it seriously seemed to hurt the character. When you see just how good Martha is, both in Doctor Who and on her stunt on Torchwood as well, you know, you're like, why did they choose to do that? Because she's so good. Freema Adjimin smashes the role of Martha Jones. She is easily one of the best companions. I feel like I'd love to give her another run at it because so many of her episodes see the Doctor basically just going of like, you know, hey, not Rose, how are you? And yet all around, we've got Martha is, you know, Just boss? Sorry, I realize that's such a a terrible description, but think about her very first episode. She gets the hospital back, good on her. Toward the the end when she has to look after her family, she walks across the earth, spreading the story of the doctor. Martha is one of the strongest and most capable companions of them all, and barely anyone remembers that. Freema Adjuman for me is one of the strongest contenders for the role of best companion, only tipped out by the three that are coming by like, we're talking mm, this much here. Number three, Amy Pond. Initially, I didn't love Amy Pond. Now, I can't help but bawl every time she says together or not at all, or Raggedy Man, good night. I mean, just so. Her tenure with the 11th Doctor, that was where I was really... My my dangerous obsession with Doctor Who really began. You know, I had been quite a fan before and I thought I was never going to get over Tennant as the Doctor. And then, well, they sure showed me. Her first season was, you know, as as they all are, a bit mixed. But then going into season six, the whole mystery of River Song, her love with Rory. I mean, Karen Gillan, I'm delighted. Absolutely delighted at how successful her career has become because she was so good here that what we get to see is just so much fun. You know, she can do tragedy alongside comedy so well. Think of the episode, The Girl Who Waited, when you have older Amy and younger Amy. I mean, that juxtaposition is just amazing. Everyone is firing on all cylinders. Again, A Good Man Goes to War. She's incredible in that episode. She's incredible in pretty much all the episodes, but there's so many standouts. Amy, for me, is one of the best companions overall and not just again because, you know, she makes jokes or she does this, she does that. She can hold the doctor to task while understanding him better than most and that to me puts Amy right near the top. Number two, River Song. Now, the funny thing is that right now, Ellie Littlechild is somewhere about to sharpen a knife and come after me for not putting River at the top of this list. And I mean, I considered it because River is brilliant. Now, there are some people who will say, well, hang on, well, was River ever really like a full-time companion? But look at this list, I included Adam and Astrid. So tenure is not what's important, it's impact. And who had a bigger impact on the Doctor than River Song? Well, one more person, but we'll get to them. From her first appearance for what will be one of her last appearances in Silence of the Library, Alex Kingston delivers a powerhouse Absolute powerhouse performance because here was a character who knew the Doctor when the Doctor was more grown up than he was when we knew him. And that was such a such a perfect idea. So simple and yet so complicated. Because then as this went on into 11th Doctor and 12th Doctor's eras as well, just seeing how well she interacted with all the different incarnations of the Doctor. Fantastic. I don't know at this stage if she's back for the 60th. I bloody hope she is because she should be. But River always brought a comedy as well as heartache to the Doctor and to Doctor Who in general. I think every episode with her in it is automatically made better just by her presence, let alone what she's doing in the episode. And for me, she is almost the best companion to have travelled with the Doctor since Doctor Who was revived. With one exception. Number one, Donna Noble. Super from Chiswick. Catherine Tate. No question, the best companion of the revival era of Doctor Who. Her appearance at the end of Doomsday was a bit like, that was quite jarring. Like, hold on, we've just, you know, our hearts have broken and roses over there. Oh God, what's going on? What's going on? And then suddenly she's like, what is this place? And then we go into the Royal Bride and, it, and the, you know, she is both, she's brassy. She's in your face. She doesn't really particularly care about the fact that, you know, there's a space traveler and a time traveler. No, she just wants to go to her wedding. And then when we find out her wedding was a complete farce, you can see her heartbreak. And Lance was laughing at her. What a prick. But when she comes back, her run as the main companion, just win after win after win. Look at the fires of Pompeii. Please just save someone. Look at her in Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead, is all right. Time Lord for really not very all right at all. Because I'm all right too. And then of course, the rueful fate of Donna Noble. Not to mention turn left. There is no question for me. Catherine Tate is the best actor to have played a companion throughout the revival era of Doctor Who. And I realise that's a heck of a statement. And Donna Noble is the best companion. She kept the Doctor alive more times than I can count. She, you know, kept a lot of other people alive more times than I can count. And also, she has a great relationship with Martha as well. Just fantastic. Also, just, you know, in Captain Jackery, she goes, who is he? Love them. The Dr. Donna is amazing, and I cannot wait to see what they do with the character when she comes back in the specials.
0: Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues